contrast with a lot of spoken word today. Uh, this stuff isn't about making you feel stuff. It's about entertaining you. <laughs> it's about diverting and it's about impressing you. And um, it's kind of nice to be in an arena where really uh, you're supposed to enjoy it. It's supposed to be fun. Performing these, uh, these Victorian pieces are uh, a joy an absolute joy. Uh, the way it's written, because it's written for a performer, it just takes over. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Stand Up Tragedy podcast. My name's Dave, and I'm your host, and here I am again to bring you a daily dose of tragedy that we recorded at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, where we went up there as part of the PBH Free Fringe. The Stand Up Tragedy team went up as part of the spoken word section of the PBH Free Fringe. And before we went, we really didn't quite get spoken word. We didn't know if we liked spoken word. We thought the worst and we were blown away. We had a complete change of heart. We really, really got into the spoken word. It was a revelation at the Free Fringe. So much of it is still out there. If you're up in Edinburgh, check out the Free Fringe spoken word collection and go and see some of their shows. Really, they are brilliant and that's one of the advantages of the free fringe generally you can see over 700 performers for free yes they'll pass around a hat at the end and and ask you to put some money into it and you really should put some money into it if you want to support what they do and the spoken word section is really worth paying for but they're giving it away for free check out the other stuff on the free fringe we're no longer there but you can hear our stuff for free as part of this podcast one of the shows that we loved so much that we went to see it twice was james mckay's utter presents the new popular reciter in contrast with lots of modern spoken word james has been reciting some victorian era poetry taking it back to what it really was originally a thing that people performed bringing the words from the pages alive he has chosen a lineup of poems which are funny which are insightful which are shocking which show you how out of time words can be where some of them seem so so modern and others seem so so reactionary the rochester poem really is one of the funniest sauciest rudest things you'll ever hear generally speaking james mckay was brilliant we knew he was brilliant beforehand we booked him for stand-up tragedy but really that show is so worth seeing so if you can make it to the banshee labyrinth at 9 50 p.m during its run at the free fringe you should do so james performed for us a couple of times at the fiddler's elbow during our run in edinburgh and he recited some suitably tragic poetry but before we have a listen to what he does we're going to hear james talking to our producer bryony about just how tragic poetry from the past can be. My name is James Mackay. I'm a poet and reciter and classicist uh, and all sorts of other things. I spend my life reading books and writing books and selling books. And The tragedies in traditional poetry, well, I, I'm, I'm kind of lucky because I, I used to be a classics teacher, so I spent quite a long time uh, teaching Greek tragedy uh, and, and getting really excited about Greek tragedy and the real old-fashioned stuff, quite intense. The idea of inevitability the idea that really doesn't matter what you do this life is miserable it gets you in the end that's the thing about greek tragedy and proper tragedy is that whatever you do it gets you in the end at the fringe here my show new popular reciter is a selection of mainly victorian i bill it as victorian but there's some older stuff there's some restoration things uh and there's a bit of newer stuff don't tell anybody but the rudyard kipling is 1917 and isn't victorian at all i'm really attracted to that whole parlor recital thing i mean that's how i started performing at living room gigs i have had friends who had a beautiful great big living room and they were musicians and they used to moan all the time about 
how they couldn't get a gig. And in the end, I turned around and said, we're having a gig in your front room. So the whole living room performance thing is really important to me. How are the Victorians trying to make them, each other feel through performing this type of person? <sighs> That's a good question. That's a really good question. Um, I don't think the Victorians would have talked about feeling at all. I think they would have looked at you and gone, what do you mean? What do you mean, how are we supposed to feel? Because talking about feelings isn't... That's kind of what's nice about it, in contrast with a lot of spoken word today. Uh, this stuff isn't about making you feel stuff. It's about entertaining you. <laughs> it's about diverting, and it's about impressing you, and, you know, all of that kind of feeling stuff, and, of course, being British and very British about this. <laughs> um, it's kind of nice to be in an arena where, really, you're supposed to enjoy it. It's supposed to be fun. Performing these, uh, these Victorian pieces are uh, a joy, an absolute joy. Uh, the way it's written, because it's written for a performer, it's written by people who would have heard sermons every Sunday. They would have sat and they were very receptive to the spoken word uh, and to these huge rhetorical arcs. And you just feel it, especially in the big one that I do, uh, How Horatius Held the Bridge, which is 25 minutes long. And it doesn't feel like 25 minutes long. You start reading... Uh, and then suddenly you turn around and it's been 10 minutes and the whole thing's just taken you on this flight. It's phenomenal stuff. And the same with the, with the Old Testament, uh, and that I read quite a lot. It just takes over, just takes over. I did, uh, for a while I used to do readings of the Book of Job, the whole Book of Job, which is two and a half hours, and it would literally feel like 15 minutes. Good evening, everybody. Normally, I like to come to Stand Up Tragedy when it's on down in Hackney and cheer everybody up by reciting really grim passages of the Old Testament. <laughs> and I've got another booking in this run up in Edinburgh, so I'll probably do that uh, next week. But I am here properly doing my show, The New Popular Reciter, which is classics of Victorian recitation, which is hence uh, the tailcoat. So I thought I'd give you something relevant to that, and I thought I'd give you something relevant to where we are, because this is by the Scottish poet James Thompson. Now, you are shrieking at this point. James, you've made a mistake. The Scottish poet James Thompson is 18th century. He's not Victorian. That is the James Thompson from Jedburgh who moved to London and wrote the lyrics to Rule Britannia. And that's not tragic much. <laughs> this James Thompson is the 19th century James Thompson from Port Glasgow who moved to London to win fame and fortune in the literary world, uh, died the age of 29, uh, suffering from acute alcoholism, uh, opium addiction, and tuberculosis, having achieved absolutely nothing except this small volume. <coughs> the City of Dreadful Night, ladies and gentlemen. Possibly the most miserable long poem. This isn't really funny. Don't, don't get ready to laugh. This really is miserable, <laughs> yeah, like it says on the tin. So this is the, uh, the opening. It's quite a long poem. I have read the whole thing before. It takes about two hours to read, and people really don't survive. So uh, I'll just give you the opening, and then maybe a little grim bit of the Old Testament, because I can't resist it. The city is of night. Perchance of death, but certainly of night. For never there can come the lucid morning's fragrant breath after the dewy dawning's cold grey air. The moon and stars may shine with scorn or pity. The sun has never visited that city, for it dissolveth in the daylight fair. Dissolveth like a dream of night away, though present in distempered gloom of thought and deadly weariness of heart all day. But when a dream night after night is brought throughout a week, and such weeks, 
few or many recur each year for several years. Can any discern that dream from real life in aught? For life is but a dream whose shapes return, some frequently, some seldom, some by night, and some by day, some night and day. We learn the while all change and many vanish quite in their recurrence, with recurrent changes a certain seeming order. Where this ranges, we count things real, such as memories might. A river girds the city west and south, the main north channel of a broad lagoon regurging with the salt tides from the mouth. Waste marshes shine and glister to the moon for leagues, then moorland black, then stony ridges. Great piers and causeways, many noble bridges connect the town and islet suburbs strewn. Upon an easy slope it lies at large and scarcely overlaps the long curved crest which swells out two leagues from the river march. A trackless wilderness rolls north and west, savannas, savage woods, enormous mountains, bleak uplands, black ravines with torrent fountains, and eastward rolls the shipless sea's unrest. The city is not ruinous. Although great ruins of an unremembered past, will others of a few short years ago more sad are found within its precincts vast. The street lamps always burn, but scarce a casement in house or palace front from roof to basement doth glow or gleam athwart the murk air cast. The street lamps burn amidst the baleful glooms, amidst the soundless solitudes immense of ranged mansions dark and still as tombs. The silence which benumbs or strains the sense fulfills with awe the soul's despair unweeping. Myriads of habitants are ever sleeping or dead or fled from nameless pestilence. Yet, as in some necropolis you find perchance one mourner to a thousand dead, so there, worn faces that look deaf and blind like tragic masks of stone, with weary tread, each wrapped in his own doom, they wander, wander, or sit fordone and desolately ponder through sleepless hours with heavy, drooping head. Mature men chiefly, few in age or youth, a woman rarely, now and then a child, a child. If here, the heart sons turn sick with Ruth to see a little one from birth defiled or lame or blind, as preordained to language through youthless life. Think how it bleeds with anguish to meet one erring in that homeless wild. They often murmur to themselves. They speak to one another seldom, for their woe broods maddeningly inwardly and scorns to wreak itself abroad. And if at whiles it grow to frenzy which must rave, none heeds the clamour, unless there waits some victim of like glamour to rave in turn, who lends attentive show. The city is of night, but not of sleep. Their sweet sleep is not for the weary brain. The pitiless hours, like years and ages, creep. A night seems termless hell. 
this dreadful strain of thought and consciousness which never ceases, or which some moments stupor but increases, this worse than woe makes wretches there insane. They leave all hope behind who enter there. One certitude, while sane, they cannot leave. One anodyne for torture and despair, the certitude of death, which no reprieve can put off long, and which, divinely tender, but waits the outstretched hand to promptly render that draught whose slumber nothing can bereave. Footnote. <laughs> Footnote. Though the garden of thy life be wholly waste, the sweet flowers withered, the fruit trees barren, over its wall hang ever the rich dark clusters of the vine of death, within easy reach of thy hand, which may pluck of them when it will. <laughs> Thank you. I'm the new popular reciter. Come see me at 10 to 10 tonight. <laughs> That was James Mackay. To find out more about him, go to www.mackaypoetry.com, which is spelled M-C-K-A-Y, where he blogs about poetry. He performs live all the time, so check him out when you can. You can find him on Twitter at Quiet Circus, and he really is a man who brings words to life. There was tragedy to be found across the fringe, though, in modern times. Stand Up Tragedy went out there and collected tragic moments from people that we met on the Royal Mile, people we met everywhere around Edinburgh. We didn't just collect tragic moments that had happened to them, but also we wanted to hear about the tragic performances that they've seen whilst they've been up at the Edinburgh Fringe. My tragic moment of the Fringe was in the play Agamemnon, which is part of the Bunker trilogy. Um, and it was basically, it was about, it was set in the trenches in World War I, um, and it just sort of like tracked the slow sort of breakdown of a relationship of a couple who were separated because of the war. Um, and yeah, lots, there were lots of tearful moments, but it was really, really lovely. My tragic moment of the Fringe was, uh, we were watching, it's a comedy, Shakespeare for Breakfast, Reclaiming of the Shrew, but it dealt with uh, quite a tragic relationship of a, a controlling husband and the effect that it has on the wife. Um, but it was told in a very funny way, but did have quite tragic themes. Oh, hello, this is Gavin and Season. We're just talking about our tragedy that we've had um, during the festival. Well, we've noticed that a lot of the shows have a little bit of problem with the way that they end. And a lot of the shows that we've been to see like, seem to have sort of like, like ended just sort of with the tragedy or with something a bit dark or something just a little bit kind of like a bit of a downbeat note. Mainly with the sort of comedy shows that we saw, it was, it was where it ended gloomy after the, after the funny beginning in a way. Then, I think it was also set up by the fact that someone was saying that last year they went to see something which they thought was a really good, uh, a really good act. I forget the name of the act, and then um, and then right at the end she just brought up the fact that her, her uh, sister had committed suicide rather recently, and uh, it just sort of killed the mood. And uh, we think that like somehow like there seems to be a bit of a tre- it's trending that uh, comedy or, or even like a lot of the plays we went to see this this thing out in um, Portobello holes. Um, uh, yes, day before yesterday, and that sort of seemed to end in sort of like most of the characters dying. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah most of the characters Although dying. Although it had been really funny, it was really good. And like, and the ones that aren't dead go a bit mad. 
My tragic moment was seeing Nirbaya. It was a, a story inspired by the, the rape of the girl in Delhi last December, and the performers were all telling their own stories of sexual violence. Um, and it was particularly moving. There was one woman in particular who told about having her child stolen by her husband after he had attempted to murder her. And um, the lights sort of went down afterwards and you could still just see her shaking with sobs afterwards. And to know that that was really, she was reliving her own memories was quite heavy going. It wasn't a fun show, but it was an amazing one. Stand of tragedy. If you want to continue to experience tragic moments, Stand Up Tragedy is the best way of doing that. Check out our website, www.standuptragedy.co.uk. Follow us on Twitter, at Stand Up For Tragedy, or find us on Facebook, where we, you can like us or you can make friends with some tragedy. Check out all of those places, because we're going to be having podcasts coming out regularly, but we've also got our live shows going to be coming back at the end of this year. So get over there and keep informed about where the tragedy is going to be happening, because you should come along and see it. Dry your eyes, it's time to go. If you want to listen back to some of the tragedy that we've had, check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud and the Stitcher Smart Radio app. That's where we release our podcast. You can subscribe and you can download from those places. And remember that tragedy is best shared. And for now, the tragedy is over. This podcast was produced by Bryony Hawkins with audio production from Stephen Harvey. The music comes from Sam Wilkinson, who you can email at radiojuan at gmail.com. The rest of the music was produced by George Brufton, written by the reactionaries with added bagpipes from Vaughan Granding. I'm Dave, I'm your host, and the tragedy is once again over. Over.